0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, welcome to Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. My name is Damien B. Donnelly and I'm your host for the next 40 minutes or so. So if this is not your first time tuning in, then thank you so much for continuing the journey with us as we travel the poetic globe from the comforts of our armchairs. And if this is your first time, then thank you so much and I hope you enjoyed the show. We are now midway through season two already. And I still can't believe that we made it past episode 2, season 1. But most of that is a thank you to all of you for tuning in. So thanks. Let's start today's show with a thank you to last week's guests when we had our very special episode looking at poetry in Ireland with Cathy Carson, Cathy Dorsey, Roisin Ninochton, Mairead Carroll, Linda McKenna and Luke Morgan and my musical stars Daria and Matthew Shields. On Thursday of this week it was World Book Day so congratulations to everyone who had a book come out this year and a huge shout out to my publisher Mark Davidson of the Hedgehog Poetry Press who published both my debut pamphlet Eat the Storms and my recent Stickleback micro-collection. Also this week as a cheeky side note I was honoured to be the featured poet in the Spotlight series on the Poets Directory created by the editor of Nine Pens Press Colin Bancroft fellow poet and author of Collection in Permanence. So thank you so much for that. And if you're a poet, then please check out the Poets Directory as this is a one-stop shop for everything you need to know about poetry, your fellow poets, submissions and everything else. Okay, on today's show we have three extraordinary poets joining me, so enough of this chit-chat. We have a show that awaits us full of stealing moons, spiders and jellyfish, rewritten histories and the odd succulent. So let's go eat those storms. And now let's get on with the poetry and also anniversaries, as it is almost St Patrick's Day here in Ireland, that means it is also the anniversary of our first lockdown, and last week saw the anniversary of the first case of Covid here in Ireland, when we had no idea what was going to hit us or for how long lucking to the light as much as possible it is also the anniversary of the 300 poetry prompt on twitter for irish poet catherine ann cullen as she inspired us to create in place of panic since this time last year and so i'm going to open the show today with two poems inspired by those prompts one i wrote this wednesday morning for the 300 prompt which was deep water but first a poem from last year called buds of invincibility Notes multiply under the orange blossom moon, we pour music into cups, and songs sprout from rose trees that have yet to bend towards the bud, while daisies turn noisy in the far field as the grass orchestrates the dawn's chorus and petals tremble in the wake of all that once shivered in the stillness. Clouds melt like warm snow beneath our imagination. We wear it like candy. And when we eat it, we grow giddy, and gravity gives way to the illusion that we, too, can rise from this heavy earth. Drowning dust blazing a distance into our trail, as we pat the sun with our smiles, and that orange moon melts into a melody we can taste on our tongues. While our weary eyes close for a while in a slumber the gods have created to cradle our chaos, notes multiply in back gardens where invincibility comes to conquer all that needs distance and all that is disease and the poem that i wrote this week for the 300 poetry prompt is called rhapsody on repeat dreams grow quiet when morning wakes to play few birds sing at night the day is a language of regard A rhapsody of words to rediscover where the river runs and where the water's too deep to even drown. Everything has its limits. We can only stretch so much, be deprived so long, wander so far. Dreams grow quiet, remember the tides are inelastic, just like the truth. We paint the moon white, but sleep on the far side of its fold. The sun is circular, but its light, a delusion. Nights eat the stars as we swim out and up from slumber. Each day holds enough illusions to carry us through. Our first guest on today's show will be no stranger to you if you've spent an evening in the glorious company of the Cheltenham Poetry Festival, as she is responsible for their fundraising, strategy, planning, programming and delivering some fantastic poetry. This Gloucestershire Poets First collection was called Owl Unbound and it was published in October 2020 by Indigo Dreams. She has been published in print and online, including Ink, Sweat and Tears, The Curlew, Dreamcatcher, and The Dawn Trader, and she also appeared in the anthology Grandchildren of Albion. Her long poem for voices called Fool's Paradise received the Electronic Publishing Industries Coalition Award for Best Poetry ebook in 2013. Please welcome to the podcast Zoe Brooks.
1: Hello, Damien. Thank you so much for allowing me a space on your wonderful podcast. It's a real honour to be here. I'm going to be reading four short poems today. The first three are from my collection Owl Unbound, which was published last October by Indigo Dreams. And the last poem, hopefully, will be in my next collection. I open with a poem about my maternal grandfather and uncle. Both were farm workers and had a hard life and died before their time. They lived in tied cottages, i.e. wherever the farmer told them to live. My Grandfather and Uncle My grandfather and uncle both returned to the earth with untimely haste. Although they worked it, broke its back for frost to bite into, dragged sedge from ditches, clawed back lambs from snow heaps, they did not inherit it. Unless it was in the length and width of a man's form. And it claimed them early, reaching up through the chest, pain filling the arms which had gathered harvests. And still they loved it, and still they cursed on cold, wet mornings as it worked like ringworm into their hands. In death they shall inherit the earth. Until this time they have been living on borrowed land. In the second poem, we move from death to the very beginning of life. It is dedicated to my then unborn son. Ultrasound. Refracted by water like a silver fish, not pausing beneath sands, turning which way? Through darkness, through warm waters and the constant beat of my heart, you flash fast. We've a regular here, she says, seeking you out like a shoal of cod. Then suddenly you are still and stand clear upon the screen, a small child, with head and flickering heart. We measure the circumference of your skull, your femur and spine. It is not time yet to draw you in, into this cold air-bound world. I have always had a liking for magic realism. I sometimes use it, as I do in my next poem, to explore and amplify a theme, in this case, about a one-sided relationship. A Theft I stole the moon last night, shoved it up my sleeve and slipped away home. It swims in the bowl, like a fat goldfish, quietly circling. The news anchor announces its disappearance. The screen shifts to beaches unwashed, to surfers bereft. But in my room, the water rises and falls, lapping at the glass rim. And I feel the tide of blood rush in my veins. You look up at the screen and then away again. You do not see the light flooding the room, nor the moths battering the window. I stole the moon for you. But you did not even notice. My last poem also has an element of magic realism. This time, it is used to explore a feminist theme. The poem was influenced by my experience of living in an old farmhouse in the Czech Republic. The call. You want me to stay a hearthkeeper, a filler of stoves and a bearer of logs. But the forest calls, and all the small unspoken things living there listen. You want me to be a guard dog, a liar by the fire. You place dead meat in bowls to comfort me. But the forest is stirring. Can't you feel its mossy paws rising up the walls? Can't you hear it? It scuttles in the attic and leaps on nesting mice, tears their little limbs and chomps on innards. You try to keep out its cold, but the roof insulation is red with the death of vermin. As you pull the rug over your head, I feel my tail grow bushy, my snout lengthen, my teeth turn iron. In the morning, you will find my bed empty. Open the door and follow my trail if you dare. Follow it up the hill where the track skirts the ruined farm with windows black as the mouth of a gap-toothed hag follow it past the heavy cows, to where the snow will not melt, in the shadow of the birch trees, to the edge of the forest. I am waiting for you there. Thank you, Damien, for having me, as they say. Thank you everyone for listening.
0: The next two poems I'm going to share with you now I wrote last year during our first lockdown, but they were inspired by those days where you could travel. And these two particular poems were inspired by a trip I took with some friends to Joshua Park when I was in Palm Springs celebrating a friend's birthday a few years ago. Good Day They call it Good Friday Mom initiates the conversation early for fish and chips and somewhere not far from subconscious. I hear a church and its pressure leaning in on her sudden sway for the taste of something fishy, less meaty. Today, on this good Friday where tales tell of salt and vinegar and the smell of soft flesh drying out in the heat of a distant desert. Later, I flick through photographs, some west coast sass, where Mormons saw palm trees stretched out in prayer, there, where the cactus have hard skins and hollow centres to hold the tears of this drying desert where succulents send signals to the stars, while Joshua, tired of being seen solely as salvation, has blown a balloon into the hot air to catch for himself a better view of how the river lies here, where every day is a good day or a bad day or both, or neither. And no one talks about what to eat. Only that food is a gift and death makes way for life, and nature can have soft centres to harbour hope, while its shell dries in the heat of an almost endless summer that holds beauty in the pierce of every pine that stabs its skin during the unlimited possibilities of the goodness in every single day. And the second poem is called Spine. Sometimes It's helpful to be hollow in order to explain where we store all the tears we'll need later on when the desert leaves us desiccated. We establish ourselves without thought in valleys where no one can save us from the stings of our own spines too far from the city's sidewalks, which there are aids for all ailments on offer at every corner of convenience. But, having city soft skin can be inconvenient also. A cactus learns to adapt to its environment, whether adopted indoors or deserted. Cities don't leave room for storage or consideration for the things we'll need to console ourselves with later. Sometimes it's helpful to be hollow so we can have some room later on to decide on where best to place our spines. (laughs) Next guest on the show is a self confessed nature nerd, a poet, philosopher, guitarist, and Glasgow based ecologist. His poem, Dunmore, was in one of my favourite anthologies last year, Black Bow Poetry's Deep Time Volume 2, a poem which you can hear him reading on his own YouTube channel along with some stunning guitar playing, ranging from Bach to William Byrd. And when not distracted by his two children, he likes playing that guitar, writing poems and studying tiny things. Please enjoy the poetry of Andy McGregor.
2: Hi Damien, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. As an ecologist by profession, nature inevitably features in a lot of my writing, probably most of it. Even my love poems tend to be framed by nature in some way or another. This first poem kind of speaks to the inspiration I get from nature, although ostensibly it promises to stay silent. It's a poem I wrote while sitting in the woods after a spell where there's a lot going on and felt a bit abandoned by the muse, I guess. It's called I Will Not Write a Poem About This. Clamouring for silence, I found a place to sit alone in the hushed wood and let the world speak. I will not write a poem about this, I vowed inwardly, setting my thoughts loose to vanish in the undergrowth. There in the clearing I caught some lightweight chit-chat between birds, the muttering of voles sotto voce in the grass, and at last a breathless pause in winter soliloquy, leaving welcome space for that most natural sound of words coming back to me, fresh with the scent of earth, sweet with the taste of freedom. (laughs) My love of nature has been there since I was a wee boy, and I was always especially fascinated by tiny creeping things. I still am, and so many of my poems are sketches of or meditations on odd creatures. I'll read you a few short ones. The first one's about the Harvestman, that spindly spider-like creature that ambles through leaf litter with its gangly legs and little button body. It's not really a spider but it's, it's a closely related arachnid. Harvestman. Animated hair tangle straggling from the brush. Peripatetic pincushion in a hurpling rush. Split pea on stilts, you're a teetering bobble. Inebriated raisin on a high wire wobble. Pull yourself together, the harvest is in. Winter's growing legs. And the days are wearing thin. This next one is about a proper spider. The garden spider. Which is that big orangey brown spider you see in your garden in late summer. Sitting in the middle of its classic spiral orb web. It's also called the cross spider because it has white markings in its back that almost join together in the shape of a cross. And this one's called barbed fruit As autumn ripens, spiders hang like barbed fruit, grown plump on summer's glut of fleet-winged ephemera. Each carries a little cross lightly on its fat back, like an already broken promise of atonement and salvation. This last creature poem is about the moon jellyfish, which is that most common jellyfish the round and see-through one with the purpley, four-leafed clover marking in the middle. That's its gonads, by the way. It's called Moon Jellyfish. I came down from the fields to find the harbour jammed with moon jellies, the sea clotted and throbbing. Maybe they'll change phase overnight, and we'll wake up to find them wandering among us, clear-skinned, lucid, spreading a message, simple and urgent, too soft for us to hear. It's not all spiders and sea creatures. I do write poems on more typical themes, like love. Although my love poems are rarely too sweet. Here's one called The Kitchen You Built. Let me put words in your mouth, savour them, even the bitter ones, for I have kept them a long time, softening like plums in cognac, or hanging there, black as chipotles, in the kitchen you built, with the salt of your love and the sharpness of your tongue. Here's another love poem. Although most of my poems are in free verse, I do like the simple, old-fashioned joy of meter and rhyme sometimes, and tend to gravitate towards that for poems with a more fairy-tale-like or mythic theme. This one's called Bindweed and Ivy. I made her a garland of bindweed and ivy. I gathered some woodbine to tie round her waist. I built a small house out of silence and stone with an arbour of secrets and vines interlaced. But mine were the wrong sort of flowers to keep her, how often I've wished I had picked them more wisely. That's why if you pass here, you'll find me alone in this overgrown garden of bindweed and ivy. Not to end on a melancholy note, I do like to lob in the occasional bit of whimsy, just for light relief. Here's a couple of short examples. This first one is called Sinkhole. I woke at midnight to find the sinkhole in the attic had deepened and filled with the clearest black water. Lured by flashes fathoms down, I dived in and swam lazily among phosphorescent squid and plankton with kind eyes. This explains the damp patch on the kitchen ceiling. And finally, for an era much preoccupied with borders, I'll finish with a little poem called Cytoplasm. Weary of borders, Appalled by division, I systematically dismantled my cell membranes and let the cytoplasm mingle freely, all those organelles bumping into each other with abandon. If you're looking for me, I'm in the bathtub. Thanks a lot, Damien.
0: Thank you very much, Andy. Although before we let Andy go, you know I can't resist a little musical interlude. And I did mention in his introduction that Andy does play the guitar. So here he is again with four short pieces. The first is from Roland Dions and is called Joe's Deck. And following that, we have three pieces entitled Estudios Sencillos or Simple Studies from Leo Bowers. This again is Andy McGregor. Once again let's give it up for Andy McGregor. My last guest on today's show was born and raised in Northern Ireland but has lived in England, Australia and New Zealand. Her short fiction won the first prize in the Bath Flash Fiction Award 2020 and she was nominated for the Australian Morrison Mentoring Prize in 2014 and 2015. Her poetry has appeared widely in the UK, Ireland, India and New Zealand, and she contributed to the Label Lit Project for National Poetry Day Ireland 2019. Her debut poetry collection was called Alchemy and was published by the Tourist Press. These are poems that travel through time and space from ancient birds on New Zealand landscapes to the daily rounds of household tasks and on to dream worlds where memory, imagination and reality merge. It is an honour to welcome to the podcast Fiona Perry.
3: Poetry to me is an attempt to put into words what is almost impossible to put into words. I've never thought of myself as the most articulate person in the world when it comes to conversation. But there is something magical about the form of poetry to me. Its musicality, its imagery, its ability to connect on a multitude of levels. I suppose uh, one of the themes in my poetry is to give voice to the voiceless. Uh, I have a bit of a compulsion to rewrite history, to reframe the experience of the marginalized. I try to place these narratives in the context of my own culture, cultures I've encountered and my own sense of spirituality. This poem is called St Rumble's Well and it's in memory of the chewing babies. I was born in a field blazing with corncrake call, a seed released from its casement. The hedge rose ripped from top to bottom when I burst into the light, entered the grass agora, the humming meadow. I became a pebble by virtue of my swaddling clothes the still nugget in the stream, perturbed by nothing except the hidden whirlpool in my throat, compelling me to shout toothlessly, I am, I am, I am. On my second day, more words flew out into the spotless blue, like so many startled starlings. I asked my parents to wash me in a baptismal font while I mused aloud on the Trinitarian nature of God. Soon, I grew accustomed to the look of wonderment on adult faces. On my third day, after a word-perfect recitation of the Sermon on the Mount, I informed an ever-growing congregation of my impending departure, mere hours away. The scent of ladies' bed straw and marjoram, coddling me to sleep against the rise and fall of my mother's soft sobbing. I saw water locked underground gleaming like mercury near my future burial site. I knew to swim through it into a well, floating higher, lifted and tossed like a paper boat by the whispering waves of a baby chorus. Did you do it? Did you speak for us? Did you tell the faithful all the priests and cardinals? Who so shall hurt one of these little ones? It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Solemnly I told my tiny brothers and sisters Our stories have been infused in raindrops. They run like hounds in the rivers and oceans, sit tight as unexploded bombs in still water. Hold on, because a tsunami of mother's tears is forming, and it will right all wrongs. Another theme or purpose of my work is to deal with the subject of transformation. I think the next two poems uh, touch on that, uh, whether it's to do with physical death or metaphorical death, um, or the shipshifting nature of grief. This poem is called Mirrors. Every nook of the house has transformed, So when he asks for the mirrors to be covered, I scavenge for blankets and towels. Downstairs, memories are already leaping into the living room like spider monkeys. For now, you are trapped beyond the veil, screened by a pastel cot quilt, a young woman emerging from bog ferns. The steam of your breath rising above your head like the plume of a funeral procession pony. Wolves We entered their bodies as completely as ink dropped into water, and now we wait. Only full lunar phases hinder us, producing glitchy distortions. The bulging of tides and particles of white light call us back temporarily, our real selves pulled like thread from velvet. We float through chimney stacks, seep through window frames, leaking into the sky, but by morning, as always, we find ourselves capsuled and contained, pushed back under heavy human eyelids. This is Fiona Perry. Thank you so much for listening.
0: For the final poem on today's show, I'm going to share with you a Paris poem from the Paris Poetry Collection I'm currently working on. This particular poem was featured at the end of last year in Inspired Magazine Volume 4 and its print edition just arrived this week. This poem is called When Viewed from the Third Angle. While you were looking down from above Trying to pick out perfect particles from all that was passing through I tried To comprehend how time moved through us. How your desire became my taste. How my books ended up as the holders of dust on your shelves. Next to round mirrors I'd screwed into your square walls. On a slow Parisian Sunday. Opened only to boulangeries and Monsieur Bricolage how the reflections they held of who we were to each other never seemed to be comfortable in the centre of the frames. Between the picking and the screwing, and all the turning of the thoughts on tastes and those positions on shelves under dust and in glass, And later on, shattered in beds, we missed the third angle, the one that shot through us, the one defined by its depths. gentlemen boys and girls men and women non-conformers and non-believers gender x and gender equals we have reached the end of another episode of eat the storms the poetry podcast thank you so much for joining us here today i have been your host damien b donnelly and today's guests have been zoe brooks andy mcgregor and fiona perry For details of all my guests, please head over to www.eatthestorms.com. Click on the podcast section and there you will find a blog post to go with every episode. This was episode 7, season 2. If you want to come and take part in the show, please drop me an email at eatthestorms at yahoo.com. I always love to hear from you and love it even more when poets want to join me here on the show. Next week we are off the air as this is midterm as we are now halfway through season two so I will be recharging my batteries but we will be back with you again on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Google, Podbean, Overcast, Player FM and whatever your preferred platform is in two weeks time which will be Saturday the 20th of March. So until then stay safe and well be good to each other, get the vaccine and a shout out here to my mother who got her first vaccine jab this morning. And as always, until next time, stay bloody poetic.